Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with a group. Folks, this podcast is brought to you by the Real Leaders Impact Collaborative, our once-a-month virtual impact CEO peer groups who meet to support each other with whatever is keeping them up at night. I joined the group back in September, and if I had to say the one major takeaway that I've received is that to not let things outside business affect your on-court performance. This little change has certainly reflected in our business growth and development. And when our members do well, more lives are transformed. That's what impact is all about. So if you're interested, please email us at info at real-leaders.com. Just say the podcast sent you and you want to speak to someone about the impact collaborative. Again, that's info at real hyphen leaders.com. Enjoy the show. Oh, leadership is the key because without the leadership, I mean, nothing, the, the, whoever's in lead needs to understand everything. Mm. They can't just be uh, a leader that, you know, knows how to play defense because a lot of African leaders are all defense players. They mm. walk in from the moment they they see the first day they're playing defense. Okay, protect me from this. Watch that guy. Matter of fact, fire all of them because they can turn against me tomorrow. Sure. So it's that. Right. They're not walking in saying, okay, what is this problem and how do we find a solution? You are listening to the Real Leaders Podcast, your number one source for impact leaders harnessing capitalism to sustain the planet, people, and profits. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that excerpt was from a world-renowned R&B artist, Akon, who shares today why leadership, cryptocurrency, and his city may just be the key to stabilizing corruption in Africa. So why is Akon taking matters into his own hands? How is he able to build his own city? And what leadership skills does he possess? Find out on this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. Enjoy. to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining me today is singer, songwriter, producer, entrepreneur, and father, Mr. Akon. Akon, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. So fill me in. What's happened since we last spoke last? Oh, man, I don't even know where to start. What hasn't happened? <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about right. You guys got 20, 25 team members now. You guys are yeah, blowing up. man, we're growing really, really fast. It is an organic growth because everyone that's a part are real, true believers. And believe it or not, they all came on board with sweat, equity, like literally no sound in the dream and helping to pull this thing together. And I guess, you know, in the end, it's all going to be real rewarded for sure. I think so. I mean, they're working for a purpose. Right. Now, people may think of cryptocurrency as just a financial transaction, but to me, it's more than that. Can you explain to our audience what the purpose and intention really of Acoin is? No, it's, it's, it's definitely a way bigger purpose. You know, um, it's, it's definitely a trading mechanism, but it's really... You're really trading 
what you're dealing with today for the future of what it is tomorrow. And I think when you look mm -hmm. at the A-Coin in particular, our main goal is to be in positions where the, you know, the people that don't have, you can say, the luxuries that everyone else has, but they're surrounded by nothing but value. And we want to be able to tokenize that value. You know? And I think when you look at a place like Africa, for instance, where our main concentrated market is that will eventually spread out to be a worldwide mechanism, and all the, of course, um, mm. the underdeveloped countries, but they're in a position where they have to have something like a coin that allows them to be able to be literally empowered. You mm. know what I mean? Because when you look at someone like me who came from a place like that, and we were literally in a position where we didn't have much, but we were surrounded by not only just love, but we were surrounded by resources. We were surrounded by everything that allowed everyone else to survive but ourselves, because we never knew or was ever, uh, you could say, educated to be able to utilize the resources around us for it to benefit ourselves. Um, I think when it comes to Africa in particular, ACOIN will actually do that, and it will give the power back to the people in a way that they always needed. You know what I mean? Well, I think, yes, I do. And, and I, I think a cool part of our conversation last time was like, what is money? And it's like, right. it's an exchange of right. anything, right? So what I was interested in, I don't think it really covered last time was, mm -hmm. how, how is this going on with like the presidents of each country? Are they liking an idea like this? And if uh, a leader builds bridges, if you're mm -hmm. connecting these continents for one currency for Africa, how are you going to regulate or have this actually take place? Well, I think that was, that's one of the things when, with involving you know, government officials. You know, me as an advisor to over 30 presidents in Africa itself, it helps me get all the information I need that help better help them serve the people. Right. And I think the situation that we're dealing with, the biggest situation that comes about and always is the forefront of every conversation is the corruption. Okay. You know, and as you know, blockchain deletes that. Right, you know, right. when you're talking about currencies and then the currencies being encrypted, which becomes the cryptocurrency itself, which is the security mechanism with, behind the trade itself, it helps to delete, you know, the backdoor deals and, you know, the fondling of budgets and things of that nature because you can literally track every transaction from the moment the first transaction is made all the way to the last one. So mm -hmm. that already helps to create a real transparent environment to be able to do things under a, 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 a trusted, you know, uh, you know, system where people can now say, okay, it feels better knowing that you know where all the money that's allocated to whatever thing specific is going directly to that. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think with the government officials, what where they benefit is the once the moment the, the people are in a position where they actually are trusting them, they can better do their jobs. You know what I mean? So they're all for that for one reason. Now, of course, the the the, the part that actually will be a challenge later. Or deals that were cut pre, I mean, you know, the, you know, existing cryptocurrency coming into the system. Mm -hmm. Because the cryptocurrency, so, for, in so many words, is not really tied into the fiat currency in which most deals are made mm -hmm. under. So we're starting from a clean slate, which allows us to reorganize, restructure, rebrand, and, and, and push things forward for the future. But at the end of the day, it's going to be kind of tough cleaning up the past. You know what I mean? Totally. That transformation from fiat currency deals to cryptocurrency deals. Well, what I think would help our audience is, let's talk about the past. And when you think of problems um, from pre-colonial times to and the, the whole wrecks, the whole border drawing, the whole civil wars, all that stuff pertains to what you alluded to, is the corrupt governments and this, uh, this inflation problems that are in, are in a lot of uh, countries. Maybe help our audience, because I don't really know. 
um, right. about the history of Africa and why something like this is so unique and why it can work? Well, the, you, you know, as for the history of Africa, there's no secret. The corruption has been the reason why Africa hasn't developed. Right. You know, um, mismanagement of government funds, uh, mismanagement of resources in the ground, um, uneducated leaders coming in on board that's not properly negotiating long-term contracts. Right. Uh, the staffing of these, you know, um, you could say regimes, where majority of it is based, 80% of these regimes are staffed with family members who never went to school. Uh, some of them may not even know how to read, but they put people around them that, that, that they trust hmm. because Africa has a history of coups. You know, if you're not right. moving a certain kind of way or you're not uh, performing to the likes of the people, they find a way to try to oust you out. Mm. And then you, on top of that, so you want to be surrounded by people you can trust that you know won't do, want to do you harm, but then you also have to watch people like the generals. So when you're in areas where there's a military-led country, the general has majority of the power who himself can coup out the president because he controls the army. So it's a lot of little things like that that allows you know, the, the, the corruption to exist in Africa. So. And a lot of it, as you know, corruption is all built around money. Mm. So if money isn't properly managed and you have people that's unhonest, that's managing the current state of where your finance and future goes, then naturally corruption is going to exist. But because there was never a mechanism that can actually watch over the people that had you know, access to the management of this, these funds, there's no way to prove who's taking money, how much they're taking, when they're taking it, and where and how far or how long they've been taking it. So it really puts a dent into the country's growth in general. So every country now is sitting there waiting for resources financially to be deployed to wherever it needs to go, but then you never see that money because the families or the group or regime that's controlling that money is living lavish in Europe, in France, in yeah. the UK, wherever, in America, in Brazil, wherever they are, spending the money that needs to go towards the country. And I think what we're providing is that accessibility to information to know how these funds are being allocated, who they're being allocated to, how much of it is being allocated, and why it's being allocated in the first place. So when they have the information, it just opens up the door for people to now help to regulate along with government. Yeah, and I think you're touching on a big point is like the asymmetry of right. wealth in these countries. And what we're seeing is blockchain and cryptocurrencies are showing up in these countries where that's happening. Right. And it's becoming a, an idea, a solution to, to, to delete that uh, and, and make it a better place. But I want to bring out some, some background information. You know, I'm doing some research last right. night, you know, 1 a.m., trying to figure it out, like, what the hell is going on in Africa. Right. And uh, I'm thinking about, like, pre-colonial times. So, like, France came in, Britain came in before that. Mm -hmm. Africans, the, like, the means of exchange, like, you were wealthy if you had a lot of cattle. Right. But like now you come in and they say, oh, look at this land. Where do they find? They find gold underneath. Right. How do we make workers? Well, we need to tax people because people don't have money now. now right. They need to be workers. Then comes this asymmetry again. And then you leave and then they're just like totally screwed with like this totally. asymmetry. So I just want to provide that background. And that's why I think Africa is a unique solution. Oh, which brings me to my next question. Is, do you think a united Africa can solve this inequity and this inflation? I think that's the only way it works, and I think that's the solution for Africa in general, is for the continent to be united. That's yeah. the only okay. way that... Similar Africa's to the United future, States? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I okay. mean, in, like if, if I had to compare a united system, it would be how U.S. is set up. Like, every country would naturally no longer be 
its own country with its own president. It will be a part of the conglomerate of the continent of Africa. In other words, hmm. every country will now become a state, Okay. right? And then there's one leader for the whole continent, and then there's governors that govern each state. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, that report yeah, yeah. to one person, one you know congregation, and it just it's a real democracy in a sense that works for Africans though, because I don't think right. the U.S. Uh, uh, way of governing democracy works in Africa. I think democracy comes in different forms, and democracy has to be uh, tailor-made for the mindset of the people that you're wanting to be democratized. Hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. like democracy in the Middle East doesn't work the way it works in America because people have different cultures, they think differently, and the way they maneuver their habits aren't the same. Right. You know what I mean? So, and I think the mistake that we make when we're trying to force democracy on foreign countries, we try to have them copy and paste our form of democracy into theirs. Like prime example in Rwanda is the prime example. Now, in Rwanda, you have Paul Kagame, who's now the current president, right? He's the first president to ever do a third term. Normally, after the second term, you find a new president. Right, right. But in his case, which is very specific in case and proves our point, is that after his second term, when he's supposed to leave and someone takes over, the people demanded that he stay because he's the one that they want to lead him, hmm. to lead them. So ultimately, it's still democracy because there's still a vote system. Right. And people can still decide to vote to keep him in or let him walk out. They, they voted through the whole country, and the country decided they want to keep him in for another term. And they may keep man again for another fourth term. But if that's the case, and that's the people's choice, why can't that be democracy in the way they see it fit? Hmm. Why do they have to get rid of him to put in someone that's has gonna, probably going to start all over again? Right. You know, and, and the people aren't comfortable with them, but they trust him. They know he's making decisions that best benefit the people there, and they want to keep him there unless you know, another election come and they feel there's someone more suitable for that seat than him. Hmm. Then they can naturally just vote that for that person. So. But if you was to look at it from a way that we see it, no matter what his progression is, or no matter what he's brought to the country, or the confidence he's installed in the people, or whatever his you know, accomplishments are, his term is over, he has to go, and someone else new has to come in. Okay. And some people may disagree, and they don't think that. You know what I mean? So I think if you create Africa with a system that fits for what the people think, and more so than what democracy uh, uh, defines what the people should think, then Africa can work as a united front. So I'm, I'm picking up on something here. How important is leadership in this involvement, in this movement? Oh, leadership is the key. Because mm -hmm. without the leadership, I mean, nothing, the, the, whoever's in lead needs to understand everything. Mm -hmm. They can't just be uh, a leader that you know, knows how to play defense. Because a lot of African leaders are all defense players. They mm -hmm. walk in. From the moment they see the first day they're playing defense. Okay, protect me from this. Watch that guy. Matter of fact, fire all of them because they can turn against me tomorrow. Sure. So it's that. Right. They're not walking in saying, okay, what is this problem and how do we find a solution? Okay. They have to come in and feel comfortable first before they can even think about the people. They're thinking about how they're going to maintain the seat that they just want to sit in. And I think when you come in with that kind of mind state, you're already coming in with negative checks on your back because your first instinct is you and not the people you're there to serve. Mm. And I think that becomes a lot of the issues that you face when you're dealing with underdeveloped countries because of the fact that they try to come in and secure themselves first and then you know, deal with the people after. So if Africa is going to become united, it's going to need a capital. Is that Akon City? 
Uh, Akon City, I think, is more of not the capital, but it's the idea of what tomorrow's Africa ah, okay. needs or could look like. So that's look at um, Akon City as the, the test model for the rest of the continent. Mm. You know, we want to be able to utilize the city not only from a development standpoint, but we want to also attract people that normally wouldn't come to Africa into Africa. We want to implement ideas, terms, laws, um, all that within that city that we feel benefits the people, something that the people can relate to, can be able to work with. And then we want to really upgrade the city in a way to where it thinks and feels and operates like the future. So anything that's happening on a day-to-day -day basis today probably won't exist in Africa. I mean, in, in, in the city, in, in Akon City in Africa, because we want all the latest technologies, the future technologies, things that you won't even know exist today that's being created or will be introduced in the next two, three years from now. We want to already have it now being you know, added to whatever the uh, construction plan is. But more than anything, we want to create a more of a better futuristic mind state for the African citizens as to how countries should be governed because we want the city governed in that same kind of way. How cities should provide opportunities and jobs for the locals because we want to be able to provide opportunities and jobs from day one the city opens. You know, and we want to just be more of a role model, but more than anything we want to be, uh, you could say, um, a test case study for how uh, Africans can live amongst mm -hmm. a united front that has opportunities that allows them to grow, but within a city that looks modern, feels modern, and gives them all the attributes and instruments that they need to be able to move forward in life. Akon City. Go right. Akon City. How'd you pull that off? Uh, I'm still, I haven't pulled it off just yet. I'm, um, we're still working, still a work in progress. The hardest part was securing the land, um, which took about a good five years of massaging, working through all kind of political, bureaucratic. And you're next to the airport, right? Yeah, I'm right, okay, so literally a 10 minute drive from the brand new international airport in Dakar. Okay, so it's still a work in progress. Okay, that's yeah. great, because I got a couple slogans for you today. Got it. So when you think about Brandon, the Akon City, I just want you to hear these out. Akon City, get Buck in here. No? Akon City. Akonda. I kinda want an apartment here. Not kinda. No. I want one here. Hmm. Akon City. Hmm. I want to farm you. <laughs> what? <laughs> And the reason I asked that one, oh, you don't like that one? I want to farm you? Okay, the reason I asked that, because any city needs agriculture. Now, the problem 1, with Africa is rains are unpredictable. What are some discussions you're having with board members right now to feed and hydrate those citizens? Oh, no, I mean, when it comes to that, I mean, we partnered up with the World Food Bank, and these guys are probably the most smartest guys when it comes to sustainable, you know, food resources in the world. And outside of just it being, uh, you can say, a sustainable city from you know, it um, creating its own energy or from, a, you know, um, reproducing water sources that's redrinkable, reusable. It's also in a position where it's going to create its own agriculture. Like, there's buildings, um, hydroponic type buildings within our, uh, um, okay. our, our new design that actually 
grows food within the city itself. But that's, these are just things within the city that, that we're pulling together. But outside of that, even in the agricultural field of food produce, production in, in general, there's a much, much more bigger plan that we'll be announcing in a minute that we're doing with the partnership with World Food Bank. Well, it's just interesting to me because it's very hard to sustain the city in Africa nowadays. I mean, with Actually, all it's, it's really not. It's, it's actually, not? Because you got to think, we got, in Africa, it's over 1.6 billion people. Right. So a city is, it's, it's, the, it's actually easiest because we have the population to fill that city up. The only thing is there's not enough cities there. Mm. It's more land and outskirt, you know, living, more rural way of living and more traditional lifestyles there. But once you create a, a modern day city, believe me, it's gonna be it's gonna get occupied like that. Why renewable energy? A renewable energy, because I mean honestly it's the future. And then when you look at how life is created now and how things are being affected from a global uh, you could say um, warming standpoint like you can clearly see the difference in change right so if we don't take our time and ignite what we know needs to happen when it comes to global warming i mean we're going to kill ourselves like we're killing ourselves now i mean you see in the areas that used to be completely hot is now freezing and snowing areas that used to be snowing is now super hot and you know the, the ice is melting like we have the most bipolar weather conditions totally. in the world that we've never had. And it's all because it's all due to global warming and it's because we're not taking full advantage of our renewable resources and we're not taking into account that two, three hundred years from now, I mean, the world may not even exist, let alone it's like everything's moved into fast track. So we want to make sure that all the problems and uh, mistakes that the developed markets had made as they were developing their cities, that we don't make those same mistakes because mm. we are in a position where we can leapfrog into all the latest technologies that can decrease a lot of those, you know, missionary issues that we're, that we're facing today. Yeah, I like that long-term thinking, a long-term approach. Now, tell me and explain to our audience maybe how this cryptocurrency is going to be involved with this city. I think I read somewhere that it's going to be the sole currency of Akon City. Yep, the goal is for it to be the sole currency of the city. Um, obviously, we will be doing a lot of combinations and management. I mean, um, partnerships with the current um, local currencies that's there because you have to have both there for the you know the, this, the, the, the currency to actually mm. make sense. You know what I mean? Um, and we also have multiple me mechanisms on the platform itself that allows you to convert the fiat currencies into a coin. So we do work hand in hand with the you know the current fiat currencies. But for the long term, where what we're thinking, eventually it's going to be the sole currency through the whole continent one day. So in our last interview, you said money is the business, and that really stuck with me. Now, do you think business owners are going to be able to take this currency, and why do you think they will do so? Oh, yeah. I mean, eventually they won't have a choice, because everything okay. that we involve ourselves with, we're going to have a mechanism that allows you to be able to trade acoins for whatever product, services, or anything that you can envision that needs to be bought or traded or mm -hmm. sold, for instance. So what we did, even with the Acoin, we didn't just want to drop a, uh, a currency and just put it out in the market. No. We wanted to make sure our currency is attached to something of value that you need on a day-to-day -day basis every day. Mm. That's energy. That's food. You know, that's education. That's health. Like, these are the things we're attaching our currencies to. And with that, once you involve and you, you, you've engulfed your, your, your value within a person's day-to-day -day life, your currency becomes what they're attached to to fulfill that, that comfort in their everyday life. You know, so it's, it's no different from the dollar. You can't go anywhere and need anything without having to pay for it with the dollar. Mm. 
But if we create these services, we create these products, we create these necessities around the currency in which that we represent, and the only way to have access to that is to pay through a coin, it gives you that option to now know that this is the route that you have to go through to provide or to accept that currency, that service, or whatever it is that we're putting in front of you. Akon, I like you because you got this long-term leadership. I mean, think about this. When you said you, I was gonna start a cryptocurrency in a city years ago, a lot of people probably didn't take you seriously. Right. So now that's actually happening, um, what do you have to say about the leadership that is needed to effectively pursue and, and radically change something like this? Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's more, it's really, because it's, it's a team effort. Mm -hmm. Like, none of this could ever happen without the team that I'm surrounded by, mm -hmm. you know, and the people around me that actually believes in the dream, you know. So when you look at, you know, Lynn and John, and like, I mean, our team is just, is now growing to become a huge conglomerate. You know, me, I've always been a very creative person. You know what I mean? I think about things, I try to envision things and, and look at things of what could actually happen and then you gotta find the right team that can help you execute that. And I think a lot of times people kind of really, uh, you know, don't describe the challenges getting to a certain place and not realizing that an idea alone is worth nothing without the people around you to help you execute it. Mm. So c clearly, you know, I've been, I've been blessed to have real executors around me, hammers, and that just knows, okay, if we can't get it done within a team, we do, we do have it, let's seek and find the people that can get it done. Mm. And figure out the people, not only, not only uh, you could say, uh, professionals in what they do, but also are believers in what we believe as well. And our agendas align as far as how we want to be a part of the legacy of change in the world. Inspiring a shared vision, inspiring that belief is a great trait of leadership. To bring this full circle, Akon, what is your definition of a real leader? Uh, my definition of a real leader is someone that motivates people, um, someone that uh, helps to understand other cultures to where they know how to bring people together, bring ideas together, um, someone that makes themselves available amongst all, I mean, millions of things that you have to do and prioritize the common goal that helps everyone win, you know, and someone that thinks about everyone before they even think of themselves. Well put, Akon. Well, Shalom, appreciate your time coming Absolutely. back on the Realtors Podcast today. For Akon, I'm Kevin Edwards, asking you all to go out there and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Akon. Appreciate it. <laughs> you didn't like those slogans? <laughs> Horrible. Horrible is right. All right, good people, and thank you for tuning into this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you haven't yet subscribed, then please, by all means, hit the subscribe button to start receiving notifications of this bi-weekly podcast. And for the lucky listeners out there today, you are going to walk away with a free magazine. Go to real-layers.com slash subscribe and use coupon code PODCAST25 at checkout to start receiving your first magazine for free with a year subscription. That's four magazines for the price of three. Again, folks, coupon code PODCAST25. That's all lowercase, PODCAST25. And if you're a visual learner like me and you want to watch this interview on your computer, on your tablet, on your TV with friends and family, make sure to subscribe to our new YouTube channel at Real Leaders Magazine to see all of our interviews with guests harnessing capitalism to sustain the planet, people, and profits. That's it for me. Thanks for being a real leader and stay tuned for the next episode of the Real Leaders Podcast.
And thank you, good people, for hanging on to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. And before we go today, I just want to make sure that you are all aware that we have now launched our new Real Leaders membership. If you want to get access to all of Real Leaders Magazine, private member-only events, and free courses online, hit the link in the show notes and enter in coupon code PODCAST20 to receive 20% off a 100 dollar a year subscription hit the link in the show notes enter in coupon code podcast 20 to receive access to all of real leaders to get you to the next level thanks for listening to this episode and always keep it real